Welcome to the second episode of Fresh Meat, Manifest's monthly podcast. Fresh Meat is a meeting of minds around the freshest topics in communications. I'm your host, Juliana Bubo. Today we'll be tackling the subject of influencers. We'll be discussing whether the current model of influencer relations is sustainable. We'll also be future-gazing at what this industry could look like in five, ten years' time. And we'll debate and unpack the term itself, influencer. What does it mean? What should it mean? Should we still be using it? Um, as we're talking about influencers in this episode, we thought it was only wise to bring in two influencers to break down this topic with us. Today we have Melly Cotton. Hello. And Marta Rusinovska. Hi. And I'm joined by my colleague and manifest influencer relations expert, <laughs> Neve Kelly. Hello, hello. I'm not, are you an influencer? Can I call you an influencer? No, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> Maybe cool. a wannabe, but... All right, all right. You know, everyone starts somewhere. Um, Started from the bottom. Now we're here. I suppose a great place to start <laughs> is to get to know uh, you two. So uh, maybe tell us about sort of what you do and how you started on, on this journey. If there was any sort of specific moment that you figured out, this is what I want to do. I'll start with you, Millie. Um, so basically, we're actually really close to Central St. Martins, but I was doing a master's at Central St. Martins and then I managed to go full time basically straight from that. But I started blogging um, when I was at university. It was kind of just like a side project because I was sort of bored of my course. I wanted like a creative outlet. And then, I don't know, it just managed to turn into like this full time thing. So it was quite lucky, but um, I worked really hard too. But I basically now, so I also have a podcast called Keeping It Candid um, and just a small plug there. Go ahead. And um, I do have my blog, but I don't write on it that much anymore. I would say that I do a lot of like other things, like I DJ as well for like lots of brand events and at clubs and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it's a whole 360 thing now. It's not just, I wouldn't say I'm just a blogger, mm. um, but that's kind of how I got into it anyway. All right. Right. And, and Marta, well, we go way, way back. We do, yes. Way back, uh, back, back, what? 12 years. 12 I think years, it's a yeah. 12 year front anniversary this year. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, how did you end up, you know, doing this? Ah, it's a long story. Uh, I'll try and keep it short. Yeah. So, um, uh, after uni um, and working at a uh, local web development agency for about a year or so, I decided to quit my job and go traveling uh, um, for six months. Uh, what was meant to be a short, fairly short trip turned into pretty much a lifestyle. I never quite got back from the trip. I still very <laughs> much continue to travel. And that's when I had this epiphany where I no longer wanted to go back to working nine to five. I wanted to create a lifestyle that spoke to me that was based on my idea of happiness rather than the sort of pre-programmed uh, idea of the white picket fence and mm. uh, nine to five. Um, so by the time I started my blog, I've already been working freelance for about six years and very much living that sort of digital nomad lifestyle before it was actually called a digital nomad uh, lifestyle. Um, and the idea behind the blog was to show other women, especially uh, other women, female empowerment in something I'm really mm. big on, uh, how they can design their life around their passion mm. uh, and live a life in a way that really captures who they are. And that's how it really started. So uh, my friend encouraged me to do that. I was living in Italy at the time. We spent a month or so traveling around the Greek islands and that's where the idea was born. And uh, and that's it. And now I'm in London. And uh, that's been a, uh, a massive, massive help in terms of growing my blog and my audience. I feel that companies based here in London really understand the value of it. Uh, so yeah, that's how A Girl Who Travels was born. Still very much 
focusing on female empowerment and travel and creating a dream lifestyle. All right. Where was the last place you traveled? Uh, the last place, I think that was actually Poland, where I'm uh, originally from. I was visiting my family. Right. The next destination on my list is the um, it's Greek islands. I think I'm going to spend about a month there again. I've really oh, missed nice. it. And uh, the winter in London's a bit dreadful, so that's oh, just my way awful. of escaping it. <laughs> I just, I just can't it's sunny take today. it anymore. I know today <laughs> I was like, where, where did the sun come from? But it's supposed yeah. to be one degrees tomorrow, oh, so great. Wow. one degree. That's even. why I'm escaping. Yeah, <laughs> I've had enough. Yeah, Squeeze out enough. all the fun from from today. So let's let's take a look at the term influencer. Um, I did I did a little bit of a Google Trends um, search. Of, of, of the term and you don't see much uh, mention of, of the term until about 2016 really where it really spikes um so i guess a good place to start is like how do you define it, an influencer what is your de- definition of an influencer maybe i'll, I'll start with you the expert need <laughs> definitely not expert. Um, i guess i think it varies a lot um but i mean most bra- from a brand side they want reach they want engagement um but i think influencers are, are a lot more than that mm. um and you need to actually look beyond the numbers and see what they're doing who's talking about them kind of where they are um so i think that's something that we try a lot to do is educate brands and people that we work with that you need to look beyond reach um, and you need to look for relevance and someone who's going to become an advocate for your brand. Um, so yeah, I think that's something that we try to do a lot. Um, so yeah, I don't think you can pinpoint just one term, um, but I guess it would be someone who people look to for inspiration, whether that's what they're wearing or where they're going or what they're doing um, and someone people can go to and kind of get that kind of creative outlook, I guess. All right. And uh, Marta, would you consider yourself an influencer? Do you um, like the term? I actually I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with the term itself. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's because it doesn't fully accept, uh, encapsulate what you actually do as an influencer. Yeah. But I do agree that it's very much about inspiring others, which is why you see platforms like Instagram yeah. growing strength to strength. Um, to me, more than anything, it's about storytelling mm. and inspiring others. So it's about creating a story that will uh, speak to your audience, convey a certain message, help inspire them and maybe offer advice mm. uh, on whatever it is that you're focusing on. So it's about creating that dialogue and conversation with your audience mm. rather than just focusing on the influence aspect. And obviously the two are connected. Uh, there's, there's not going to be any influence without the conversation elements right, of the right. two are intertwined. Okay. And w- are you an influencer, Millie? I would say no. I really just, I don't feel, I don't yeah. like the term at all. I never have done. I mm. cringe when I say it, but it's like, <laughs> you always have to use it because people don't understand. Mm. I find myself trying to explain what I do. Mm. And because I do so many different things, it's easy to kind of put it under this one influencer umbrella. But right. as Marta said, it doesn't even nearly cover all the things you do. It mm. really is, I find it kind of like, as a, as a, a name of something mm. it lessens what you do as well mm. and, is, and do you think there's a term or is there a, a term you use to you know describe what what you do or no not really i just have to be like oh yeah no so i do this this and this and <laughs> my like main thing is oh, i've got my finger in many pies <laughs> all the time that sums it up <laughs> yeah because i feel like as a you know influencer air quotes influencer all the things that you don't see that people do, like all the really boring admin stuff, the brand negotiations, mm. the the invoice chasing, like <laughs> no one sees that stuff. And yeah. that's like such a big part of the job. It's yeah. not just posting a pretty photo on Instagram and trying to sell people stuff. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I feel like the term influencer is not my favorite. <laughs> right. So in your opinion, what do, I mean, for the purpose of this um, conversation, we're going to stick with the term influencers, <laughs> but what do influencers, you know, bring um, to a brand? Like what, what, what value do they bring? Is it just, is it just reach or that, that, that the brand is paying for, or is this something else influencers bring or should bring? I think it depends on who the brand chooses right. because you choose different people for different things. As Neve was saying, it's basically like you can go to someone for a massive reach and because people love them, they'll always be like, oh my God, great. Like, I love that photo because I love that person. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they engage with the product mm. that the person is like showing off. It's, um, so I think, yeah, it depends on what a brand wants. If they maybe want someone who has more of a voice, they'll go for someone with more of a voice. It really just depends. Mm. It's who you pick, I think. What you get is who you pick. Right. And are brands um, that careful or that, um, I guess, circumspect about the kind of influences that they choose? Do we do we think brands are, you know, sitting down and saying, all right, who aligns with our values? Or is this just a, they have 20,000 followers? I think it's that. a mix. Right. I think some brands do it really well and they know their audience and they know who their audience pay attention to. Mm. Um, but then there are some brands, I think, that are like, okay, so this person everyone's talking about, so they're just going to have my product, even if it doesn't make sense. Mm. So I think it's about finding that mix of, yes, you might want reach, but actually you need someone who, who it's going to make sense with. Like, you don't want to just have someone post a picture mm. um, because, like Millie said, they're, like, they might like it because they like the person, but that doesn't mean that you're getting your brand's message across. Whereas actually, if you find the right person for your brand, you can create something with that influencer um, that's true to them, but also shows off your brand in the way that you want it to be shown. Mm. Um, So I think it's about finding that right match. Mm. Um, And I guess that takes a bit of work, but at the end, you kind of see the result. So let me put forward um, an argument. Um, And I don't know if you guys would agree with this or not, but... um, I guess the argument is the current model or the most, I guess, prevalent model of influencer relations is is broken or, you know, is not sustainable because it's become very blatantly transactional. You know, it's I pay you, you post this. Um, and it's not one based on co-creation and collaboration, uh, as you guys have, have stressed. I mean, do you agree that this model is, is unsustainable or, or broken? Where, where do you stand on, you know the, I guess, the landscape as it is? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's broken. Mm. Uh, I suppose it depends on the brand and the relationship with the influencer. Uh, Personally, I believe that uh, as an influencer, um, there's so much more you bring to the table than just a post. Mm. It's an access to an engaged audience that it took you years and years to build an audience that you communicate with in your unique voice, mm. an audience that you truly understand, um, the amount of time it takes you to create your content. And as someone who's very much into the idea of digital storytelling, and mm. rather than just selling a product, uh, trying to promote a certain lifestyle or a feeling, uh, I believe that there's much more depth to it than simply paying for a post. Mm. But that being said, the real question is... Um, whether that's the case with everyone, how many influencers approach it in the same way and how many brands look for that instant gratification of, okay, here's an X amount of money. Uh, Can you post this for us? And just moving on. Whereas uh, I feel like that's a little bit of a shame. It's shallow. And the whole idea behind influencers and bloggers was born out of, uh, I think, the the desire to create something real and authentic, Mm. something that would stand out from what we see in the mainstream media. Mm. So... 
rather than building on that authenticity, we, we do see, you know, sort of generic campaigns and mm. paper posts, whereas what I think we should really do is try to capitalize on our ability to bring our unique story and our unique perspective to the table and focus on that and let our personality shine. Yeah. Um, so I think that would be the ideal approach, really. So yeah. it, it very much depends on the brand that you're working with and the influencer themselves. Yeah. I think that brings a whole other issue to the table, though, about like false authenticity, because mm. that's such a thing at the moment, like mm. girls posting before and after photos of their bodies or, well, no, not even that, but mainly like they do one where it's like, oh, this is me five seconds ago. And one has abs and one is like, you know, got fat rolls. And it's just like this whole thing of trying to be too real almost. And right. that's like, that's not... That's the same. It's still not real. Like, yeah. I don't so, know. Yeah, it's, so, it's, all, it's a very weird like scope at the moment. Mm. Let's let's probe that that uh, um, idea or term um, authenticity, um, and like, sort of speaking from from experience. I've been working in PR for six years now, and one thing I noticed earlier on was that there was almost this, um, I guess, desire for brands to have exclusive r- relationships with, with, with people. And almost down the line, you, you then see a situation where someone can post about, you know, I love Nike sneakers on Monday and then on Tuesday, they're like, we're Puma. And I think three years ago, like Nike would call them the next day, like, what are you doing? And now it's kind of like, you know, do your own thing. So like, do does the audience, does your audience crave authenticity? Do, do they want to know that what you're saying is what you really feel or is it that they see you guys as um, as authentic and so they want to, um, they, they believe I- anything you say or should they really believe what you guys say? I don't think they believe everything that you say. Like, I think you have to take everything with a pinch of salt. Obviously, they, they know that you're promoting something and I guess it's that trust that they have in you that you'll pick stuff that you actually do like and you actually do want to talk about and you actually, you know, you really believe in the product. But... Um, I've since I've been doing my podcast because people now feel like they know me better. My engagement, like on my other platforms, has risen because mm. they've now got that side of me that they didn't have before. Whereas I used to post like I still do, but I post fairly sarcastic captions, which are kind of like I didn't realize but they were probably like coming across a bit as being obnoxious. Um, but I didn't see that at all until I started the podcast, and people were like, oh my god, this is what she's really like, and we actually now feel like we know her. So. That sort of like authenticity where people get to know you, they want to engage with you more. Mm. So it is so important. Mm. But there's obviously a line to it. Like I very much still have my private and personal life that I don't have online. So you give like people as much as you possibly can to make it as authentic as you possibly can. But mm. I think you still have to hold like a little bit back. Mm. Um, but yeah, once you've got that audience that believe in sort of what you say... I guess they don't really question yeah. what you're promoting because they just trust you. Right. But that's the whole point, isn't it? I also think as well, um, maybe like a couple of years ago, it might have been a big deal if you were wearing Nike or Adidas. Yeah. Whereas now everybody wears everything. Mm. It's yeah. not like you have different kind of loyalty to brands now. Right. You yeah. don't just wear one or the other. So I think that when it comes to influencers posting about that, you know that they're going to change up whatever sneakers they're wearing yeah. depending on what, what their outfit is or where they're going. Yeah. Um, and it's not by brand, it's kind of more by... By style. What they're feeling, yeah. 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 It's like a lifestyle, yeah. I think, rather um, than just the yeah. brand you choose. Yeah. And I think I think now um, there's more of, a, of an understanding that being an influencer or being a blogger is a business. It's it's mm. 
It's your lifestyle. It's your livelihood. Um, and I think brands are going into these transactions knowing that they have to pay rather than in the past where... You the... say that, not always. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the amount the, of things you, yeah, you still get offered, like, exposure. And I don't know. So I've had... And pay your bills with that. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that anymore because you used to have, like, a massive account post you and you'd get thousands of followers. Yeah. And, like, so yesterday I had an account with a million followers post me. I got 30 followers from it. Like right. that's it, there's no such thing as like doing things yeah, for exposure yeah, yeah. anymore. Like no. it, it yeah. used to work, it doesn't anymore. So yeah, it has to be money. Like right. otherwise, it's like it's your time, it's your mm. business. It devalues what you do. Yeah, you don't definitely. get paid for it. Yeah, but then doesn't that then lead to an issue where brands want to control what you say because they say, look, I'm giving you this check, so you're gonna say what I want you to say, and then on the flip side. Um, wouldn't that then lead to a situation where you have other influencers in this space um, sort of undercutting your rates because, you know, they're like, well, you know, the brand wouldn't, wouldn't want to part with a thousand pounds for for you. So mm-hmm. I can come and, you know, my rate is 200 pounds, use me. And I have maybe a similar amount of, of, of followers, you know, reach. So is this, could this then lead to a race to the bottom? I guess that's sort of two questions like, mm-hmm. you know, money and control and, you know, how the future would look like if people are undercutting. So jumping on the undercutting thing, yeah. that's actually happening a lot. Like, right. it really is happening so often that, especially brands with, um, like, influencers with bigger numbers, the woman I do, my my friend who I do my podcast with, yeah. um, she has, like, a high following and she gets brands come to her all the time being like, yeah, but so-and-so only charges this, so why are you charging that? And right. it's like... Well, that's what I charge, and if you don't want to work with me, then fine. But undercutting is a real problem, mm. especially with young girls who have all these like really big followings. They have absolutely no idea about money, right? Um, and they have no one helping them with it. So, and even when they have an agent, like I don't know, it depends on who your agent is. But undercutting is a, yeah definitely an issue because it undervalues the entire industry, right? When people and what, don't really know what they're doing. What exactly do agents do in this in this field? In this. Um, so I guess an agent can kind of like pair you up with a brand and they can negotiate money for you and they can do the chasing. They can do all the bits, which like the dull bits, to yeah. be honest. The red tape, basically. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> mm. But um, as for the uh, the first question, I yeah. think it's all about uh, the contextual fit, really. Yeah. Uh, so it's about matching the influencer to the right brand. If you are genuine about the product that you're promoting, it's less about gaining control of what needs to be said uh, and more about your genuine opinion on it. Then again, the question is how many people do do that uh, and how many settle for, again, that transactional element. Mm. But I do believe that if you do focus on uh, building a relationship with influencers who are focused on your specific niche, who have an engaged audience and a genuine genuine interest in your product, then that element of power won't be quite as necessary, if you see what I mean, because the message is real. Yeah, Yeah, I think the relations part is a big, Mm. big factor, because I think now because there's so many influencers um all people are going to them brands and um, P- pr people going to them specifically whereas actually if you take the time like you would if you were doing media relations to actually get to know the person you know who they want to work with what would actually work for their channels yeah. you don't have to kind of go in with a hard sell you say oh millie i have this cool brand i think it'll be a nice fit for you let me know what you think and have an open conversation yeah. don't go in and say I've got this brand, I need you to do this for X amount of money. Yeah. That's that's never going to give you the outcome that you want yeah. or good content that people will engage with. 
So on that note, there's um there's apps where that's exactly what happens. So there's um certain apps where basically they have brand briefs and you you pick a brief and then you get paid a certain amount and you just put like your content through this app and there's no sort of like interaction with the brand or no interaction with an actual person mm. and so that's really like killing influencer marketing I think because it's so unpersonal and it's lower value as well in terms yeah. of how much you get paid you would get paid much less yeah, if you work so for an app than if you work directly with the brand yeah. and that's the whole idea behind it really yeah. So I guess well, it, it, yeah, it's 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 a strange thing because it feels as though brands want to brands are not I guess prioritizing the relations bit. They're, they're just like you know I want to get my content out there. You thirty thousand, none of them with a name. <laughs> Take this money and post. It depends on the brand though. It's yeah, not like true. it's every brand doing yeah. that. Um, I do sometimes find that it is like lower end brands who right. are quite bad mm. for it but yeah. you know you're never going to find nike or adidas doing stuff like that yeah. that's no. just not going to be the case it's also about that instant gratification <laughs> yeah. sorry uh that comes with using social media i think mm. we're so used to just gaining instant access to everything instagram websites and yeah. i feel like brands are almost picking up on that and they do want that instant promotion yeah. whether you believe in the product or not they want that picture up on instagram and the likes for getting that really at the bottom of all this is the idea of forging relationships yeah. and uh, creating a conversation. It's, it's become much more instantaneous, I mm. think. And how aware um, are your audiences about the negotiations that go behind the scenes? Because um, I, I think now that they know you guys are businesswomen um, and this is transactional in, in, in some way, um, are they fully aware of of sort of the model and... You know, are they okay with that? I mean, I'm guessing they are because they're still engaging with you guys. But, you know, is transparency, I guess, not full transparency, but is transparency good in this? Oh, you have to be transparent. Absolutely. I think, you like, I'm really all for... If you're being paid, you need to be telling people that you're being paid for something. Mm. Um, And I think people are behind it because they understand that you put a lot of time in it. It's your job. Mm. And why would you not be getting paid to do that? Mm. And as you know, the content is still, it should be the same. There should be no difference between an ad and a usual post. Mm. That's like, in my view, it should all just be the same and on a level. So people should engage with it in the same way. Right. Because there should be no difference in what you're doing. Because if you're taking on an ad that isn't like your usual sort of content, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Mm. Um. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> no, I 100% agree. Yeah, it's about being honest with your audience. But just as you said, uh, if you choose to work with a company or a brand, and that's where that whole idea of authenticity and contextual fit comes in, uh, that doesn't match your feed or your style, people will pick up on that right away. Uh, whether they understand the process behind the actual promotion or not, they yeah. will pick up on the fact that, oh, wait, you don't doesn't match what you're saying it's mm. uh it doesn't seem to align so you do want to make sure for the sake of your audience and uh sort of your own reputation i suppose as a blogger and influencer to make sure that it's not just genuine not just genuine but also uh that the brands you work with are yeah. aligned and that you're clear about whether uh you're promoting someone's content or whether this is just your opinion based on a trip you took somewhere so yeah, um yeah. Just because you're getting paid for something, it doesn't mean that you don't believe in it. It doesn't make it any less real. Uh, But I suppose that there might be still that element of sort of misunderstanding that. Mm. Uh, Getting paid doesn't mean that you 
don't believe in something or that the message has changed. Yeah. But again, it does depend on the person. But it does depend on the, of course, take on yeah. things that they probably shouldn't take on yeah. and that don't seem authentic. Yeah. But they do it for the money. Mm. So that, that, that then leads me to, I guess, a question around how do you or do you want to also take your audiences on a journey with you? So I'll give you an example. If, if a brand comes to you with a, a proposition that perhaps you are personally interested in, but uh, your audience might not be. Um, I can't think of any examples, but but it could be something maybe controversial that you that you, you believe in, but perhaps you know some 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 of your audience doesn't. Um, how comfortable are you with you know promoting something that you're quite well aware might not be very popular with um, some of your audience? But it really depends on what it was, right. I think. I think a good example we could use here is a natural cycles thing that has been... been have you heard about uh, it? Yeah, so no, tell me about it's it. It's a new contraceptive app. Right. And basically what you do is you, you monitor your temperature and you just thought you, you didn't do this, did you? So no, it's, it's, it's been, there's been so much press around it. Right. It's basically, it's a contraceptive app with no contraception involved right um and so i think just... that's like a dangerous one mm. right. people were paid a lot of money to do it because i know girls who have done the campaign right. and for me had i been approached to do that even though that would be something interesting to try mm. i think it's irresponsible so i right. probably wouldn't have taken mm. it right so i really think it depends on the brand and mm. on the campaign but i don't know you have to weigh up against your own beliefs and what you want to be promoting and whether it's you have a responsibility I think doing what we do to promote things that are healthy and uh, yeah authentic coming back to the authentic word so it depends but yeah yeah, I think it uh, it comes down to whether it's something you genuinely believe in or not. Yeah. If if the answer is no, and on top of that, your audience may not even be interested in it, then mm. I would stay away from it. But if it's something that I'm quite passionate about and yeah. I haven't had a chance to perhaps yet mention on my blog or yeah. my my Instagram, then why not? It's yeah. uh, it's your opportunity to bring that issue into the light and speak about it to your audience. But it's about whether you believe in it, really. If you're just promoting something for the sake of promoting it, then I feel that more than anything, it has the potential to backfire and it's not just your influence your your audience that will notice it's the uh, people in the industry bloggers and brands do you not feel a bit wary though about something that you've never mentioned before even if you're passionate about it and then you're being Mm. paid to do it straight off the cuff like I would still feel a bit like oh I've never really said this before and now I'm like super passionate about it and I'm being paid I would still feel like people would probably not take it the right way I suppose it depends what it would be really I feel that it would still be very much aligned in a way with what I've been sort of the content I've been pushing out so far, it wouldn't be completely different. It's hard without an example. Yeah, yeah. I I know, yeah. It's, uh, I would imagine that as long as it's aligned with my blog and my content, which it would be because if it represents me yeah. and it's a part of me, then uh, then it's fine. I can't imagine, I can't really think of anything particularly controversial, really. No, so yeah, it's, it's hard same. to think of a, <laughs> an, an example. And how do you guys view your audience? Do you see them as um, sort of, a closed room that you have the key to. So it's like a brand comes to you like, I want to speak to those guys, but they have to go through you. Or do you sort of see what you do as almost being a translator? Uh, The brands could very well try to mass um, broadcast, but you're like, look, I'm the best person to filter through. So are you... Are you, you know, gates gates people for the gatekeepers. your audiences? <laughs> or are you like 
Millennial whispers. <laughs> I like that. Millennial whispers. See, I wanted to say the last one, but I don't want to now. say millennial whispers. <laughs> you can that add my, that to your bio. Is that my new bio? I'm, like, I'm not an influencer, I'm a millennial whisperer. <laughs> oh my God, amazing. You can pay me royalties. <laughs> um, I would say the last one, mm. because that's what they're trying to do, isn't it? They're trying to pick a voice to then explain their brand in a different way, not like, hey, here is my community and I'm now going to show you, like, give my message to them it's more of a like I'm going to take your message on board mix it with mine and come up with something right so yeah I think it should always be like a collaborative effort to then showcase your audience mm. co-creation yeah collaboration, collaboration is the key yeah. 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 Yeah, it, it seems to be a theme we're always yeah. the key to the doll yeah because if, if you think about it people go to an influencer's page because they either like what they're doing, like what they're talking about, or like what they're wearing, yeah. or whatever the reason. Yeah. Um. So they they want to see how they'd say. If, we keep going back to shoe brands, but say if it was an Adidas pair of trainers, they yeah. want to see what ones they like, how they wear it, and yeah. I guess that's what they go for. They yeah. don't want like just to see. They want to see Millie rocking the trainers. Um, with her best outfit rather than just like a box picture yeah. that I guess you the, might get if you were just... And th- there was something uh, I picked up in your podcast um, about, I think it was about relatability. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something I want to sort of uh, uh, talk about. The um, the idea of, you know, an influencer being attainable and relatable. Is that what separates, you know, what you do from, you know, maybe what a Rihanna would do? Like, if you guys were talking about the same products, like, is there a value in that relatability? I think so, yeah, because if people can relate, I think relatability is so important because if people can relate to you, they feel like they're that one step closer to sort of knowing you. And, like, if they know you, then they know what you're about and they know how you feel about certain products and stuff. And then that translates into sales, I reckon. Mm. Um, And with a celebrity endorsement, I feel like it's very... It's like it's not personal at all. It's, it's like the product is instantly cool because it's on a celebrity, but it's not quite the same. There's right. not that like message there, I don't think, mm. that you get with an influencer. There was a, an example with MAC Cosmetics. Mm. So they had a celebrity range, which was like Lady Gaga and a few other people, and then they had an influencer range. And um, the influencer range actually sold out more than the celebrity range. So it just shows how even people are changing the way they buy um, and turning more to influencers who they... I guess feel are their friends trust. or people they can yeah they have yeah, trust, trust. Um, turning towards what they're offering because they believe what they're saying because mm. they've built that up they've built a virtual relationship with these people where these people like tune in to see what they're doing yeah yeah well that's that I think it's about building those relationships as well isn't it and accessibility you feel that bloggers are much more accessible to you than a celebrity would be uh, you actually have a chance to communicate with them for social media whereas you know the likes of Rihanna I, I can't really imagine she would <laughs> have the time yeah, to reply that, yeah. to your like, the, to like reply to my DM oh my DMs so, uh, yeah going nowhere it's about that as well and have you guys turned down um, any work w- with the brand and if, you don't have to, have to say the brand yeah but always like, mm. like every week what's the, the the reason is it ethical is it because, like a variety ethical is just not suited I don't believe in the brand I don't believe in yeah the way that they manufacture their products so many different reasons mm. Um, and yeah, sometimes it's just that it won't fit. Like, it's like, yeah, that would be great. That's like great money, but no, it does not fit. Mm. And it'll be a very clear ad. Um, I actually did an ad this week that I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that, but <laughs> I did do it. Gotta and I think I made bills. it work. But well, yeah, it does come down to the, like having to pay your bills and then also wanting to stay like true to yourself and like true to your audience. 
And so, yeah, I kicked myself a little bit. But it worked out well. But, mm. like, sometimes you do take things on and you think, oh, yeah, that'll be good. And then it's like, mm, actually, maybe that wasn't the right thing to do. But hindsight is a great thing. Yeah, so, Trial and error is always good. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, the more that you try, that's how you get to know your audience more. I'm sure you know them well. But the more you try new things, then you'll be like, okay, cool, they liked that, but they didn't like this. So yeah. what's my next step kind of thing? You don't know until you try. Yeah. yeah. And it's what you believe in as well. Yeah. What, what is the sort of lifestyle you're trying to promote and how do the brands fit into that? Yeah. So, yeah, I would say yeah. that's quite a... I think it's it's interesting because what um, so something we, we've been doing at, at Manifest is essentially we've we've I mean we've talked and written and, and debated a lot about um, influencer uh, relations and what we've we tried to do is codify sort of how we judge influence. So for not for us, it's not just simply about reach, but it's about relevance and it's about advocacy too. Um, and I think. The system we're working on, or the the, the platform we're building, we, which we've, we've called Roger, is based on um, on really finding that middle tier um, influencer. I'm sure there'll be a better word we, we'll be using in, in the future because it does sound Fingers a bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't You'll like get roll off the tongue. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> The middle tier millennial whispers. <laughs> I love that one. But maybe that wouldn't catch on. Um, and, and, and ensuring that we know we're um, pairing them with the right brands mm. and um, and they're actually, you know, telling authentic stories based on what the brands want and based on um, what they, they, they want to do as well. So it's not, yeah, it's not transactional pay for posts, mm. but it's organic and importantly, it's, you know, a collaboration. I don't yeah, know if you so add. it's about the conversation. Yeah, as in it's more, um, we've built this platform um, to be a place where we, um, through the influencers we've worked with and also people we want to work with or brands should be working with, mm. um, we've kind of built it that way. But also um, it allows us to give influencers access to brands that they might not always have access mm. to. Um, so I guess for us, it's about finding that right balance of collaboration, uh, authenticity, and just working to create cool content. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it's something that we're still kind of working towards. Um, we've done a lot kind of behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's great to see that in this sort of 40 minutes of, of, of talking, that that word collaboration and co-creation keeps on coming on again. So I, I think for, for me, though, that seems to be the the only way the this then called influence relations would work is when brands recognize and realize that it's about collaboration. It's not a, a diktat. It's not them saying this is what we want to do, say this a bit ver- verbatim it's you know how do we work with you you know so it's it's interesting so i guess in summary like what do you think the future of influencer relations is going to be like where are we going to and what do we need to watch out for so it doesn't fall off the rails oh god that's hard i think there's always going to be like brands throwing money at mm. numbers that's never going to stop happening because mm. when there's agencies involved and it's i think you get it a lot when it's like an agency who just have to show a client numbers this is what i imagine there must be a huge pressure to get the most reach for their money and it's about sort of like changing the way that brands think about it i think that's going to be really important in the future is that they need to realize that it's more than just numbers mm. um I don't know, though. I don't really know what's going to happen. I guess we'll just have to mm. see. <laughs> yeah. uh, I agree. It's about combining numbers with, I suppose, the conversation and the relationship you want to build. Mm. Uh, and again, authenticity. <laughs> uh, 
big word for today, uh, that's where it comes in as well. So um, I think more and more influencers are beginning to understand, well, not just understand, but see just how much emphasis brands put on numbers. But again, there's so much more to the sort of influencer brand relationship than just that. Mm. Uh, it's about your voice. It's about how you communicate with your audience. There's niche audiences with smaller numbers, but equally great engagement. So mm. I think focusing on that relationship and communication element will be quite important. And hopefully we will see more of that happening. Mm. Hopefully. Yeah, I think it's der- very much a for a brand side. It's about educating them. Um, on the best way to work with influencers yeah. so not just a numbers game yeah. but I also think it's um, working with brands to allow influencers to continue to tell their story yeah. but them just to kind of fit in and be part of it or to amplify that for them yeah. um, so how can they work with each specific influencer yeah. differently so that it fits with what they're trying to do so I guess from a brand's perspective there needs to be like a mind shift Yeah. because um, brands are still approaching this as um, almost, they want engagement rate, they want reach yeah. they want it's like X-Men of likes. It's like the old school celeb influence r- rather than, you know, you know, co-creation. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, oh, that person said we're, we're great, therefore we're great. Um, <laughs> cool. No, no, this has been, like, really, really interesting. Um, I've learned a lot. Um, and I think listeners are going to be challenged by um, some of the things we, we've said here, especially brands, especially brands not doing it right um so yeah no thank you guys very much i'll, I'll give you guys a, a shot to just you know say i, I guess w- w- whatever you want to, whatever you want to say if you want people to go visit your blogs or instagram page or if you got something to promote just you know it's all it's about it's about influencer oh, relations so you know go ahead right well first of all thank you ever so much for having me it's been all great right. uh having a chat and if you do, guys do want to follow me you can find me on instagram at a underscore girl who travels you can follow my adventures there so right. hopefully see you on instagram see you on instagram <laughs> Uh, yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me. It's been a great conversation. Um, so I have a podcast called Keeping It Candid. And also you can find me on Instagram at, at Millie underscore Cotton. Awesome. Neve. You can follow me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no need to follow me. <laughs> Unless you want pictures of me with Eminem. <laughs> oh, I loved that one. It was good. Thanks. Thanks. Was good. I mean, no, definitely go and follow Neve. <laughs> <laughs> great at Neve Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> great content. Do you, you want to spell that? N I. A-M-H-K-E-L-L-Y. Good. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. And um, look out for the next uh, Fresh Meat podcast next month.